This is Sarah and Steve Urquhart with the Perfect Parenting Podcast, and today we're talking about predictability. We think this is a good starting point. If your kids are able to relax at home, they kind of know what's coming up, then it sets a foundation for them to thrive. And then when chaos inevitably does hit, they can weather that and know that they're coming from a, a solid base. I am, oh, gee, how do we even start? Okay, so for me, being predictable and being a predictable parent and creating predictable situations for our kids started when they were very, very young. Before they could even talk, I remember driving up to the store or to grandma's house and giving them an, giving them an idea of who was going to be there, what I expected of them, how they needed to behave, the good things that were going to happen, maybe a treat they were going to get or something so that they were, their mind was being engaged and they knew what we were getting on the same page. Our expectations were aligned. I did that all the way through their whole life. So of course I'd get into more details the older they got as I was preparing them for school or when we went to the park. We spent a lot of time going to events with Steve being in the, with you being in the political arena. And, you know, I could get their expectations on the same plane as mine so that everybody felt okay. Yeah. And, and I think my job was to be the counterweight to that and try to undercut your predictability at every turn. I think there's some truth to that. (laughs) No, I like that we're starting with this topic because uh, you absolutely did. Um, You know, you dot I's and cross T's. I do not. And uh, I, I love that you set a very stable platform for the kids. And I, of course, did what I could. I mean, I tried to do that, but I'm pretty crummy at predictability. And um, But I really did appreciate that. And so I, I did uh, work hard to not undercut that. Yeah, I never felt like you did. You know, very rarely. Or it was something planned. There were times for years, every summer, when you would take the kids on the camping trips. When I would go on the camping trips... We would eat at a certain time. Everything was nutritious. We went to bed at our same time, maybe staying up a little later. But when we figured out if I stayed home and I got a break from the kids, which I was doing intensely, so it was nice for me to have a break. And you guys could, I mean, talk about your camping trips. How predictable were they? We would say, okay, we're going to leave at five. And so at five, I would start thinking about coming home from work and we'd get home and then we'd like, oh man, what are we going to take? And so we would, uh, you know, find most of the camping gear and throw it in the vehicle. Then we'd go to the store and uh, figure out what do we want to eat and we'd buy most of the things we probably needed for dinner and then we'd go up camping and uh, then if we were camping somewhere close to a store we'd go to the store to pick up the things we forgot and it was it was a glorious mess and you guys stayed up late you ate lots of junk food i mean all the things that as the mom i might have been a little too buttoned up to enjoy or to let them enjoy but they you guys ended up having a great time yeah we had a total blast year, after year. and so they did like that they had they had structured childhoods and they would love when there would just be and you were involved in this too when there'd just be absolutely no structure and they knew that camping with me was uh uh we, we, there were a few things we would do we would set up the tent and then we would play we would 
blindfold ourselves and play Marco Polo in the tent. And it wasn't a big tent, which that's a funny way to mark time is uh, just realizing we actually could do that, me and all of these small bodies. When they were little. And we would we would do a lot of hobo dinners because those are last minute. You kind of can do those. And we burned every single one. I wonder if the history in the history of the world, has there ever been a hobo dinner that wasn't just raw and raw on half and charcoal on the other? But you, that's what you did every time. You didn't switch it up. Um, yeah, pretty much that. Yeah. 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 And then tons of junk food, lots of uh, ding dongs and Oreos and Gatorade. So the, so that's what, one of the things we did really well is we created this predictability for the kids but then we made sure we did carve out a number of times when the rules would get shaken up or you know there weren't rules um, and they could really try something else something different which I think was a great way to do it um, and, and it sure worked for us part of what I liked I felt like with the predictability and we're using that word a lot but part of what I liked about it is it the more something, the more you can predict, the easier it is to explore around it. So I knew life was going to throw things at our kids that were unpredictable, things I couldn't control. But the more I could give them a stable starting off place, the more they could figure out who they were, what things worked for them and didn't. But if there's so much chaos around them and in their house, and that's a the house I grew up in is there was so much chaos and I could not find peace. I couldn't thrive there. And so I felt like that was something I, as much as I could give the kids predictability, I was going to strive to do that. And I owed it to them to give them as much as I could. Well, and I thoroughly love that. I mean, you know, I guess in this podcast, we're going to get into our childhoods a bit. And I think in large part, our parenting is kind of reaction to those things. And so, yeah, my childhood was extremely chaotic and tragic in, in some huge ways. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my brother and I were, we were complete latchkey kids. And so, um, I just loved all of the predictability you, you brought to this. And it's something, you know, who knows if I had to, maybe I kind of sort of could have, have done it, but I, I kind of doubt it. That's just not who I am. And so, you know, I actually made some notes for this podcast. And, um, uh, one of the things that I think is important when we're talking about stability is, uh, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be raising kids with couples, the one who provides the stability um, has to be honored and revered in that role of providing stability has to be supported. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're like the you're the rhythm section. You keep the rhythm of the family and I get to come in. And because you do that, I get to be lead guitar or I get to be front man and come in and, and steal the spotlight occasionally with silliness and frivolity. And, you know, of course, that's fun. But in doing that, um, I'm glad to hear you say that you never felt undercut because I always wanted to be very conscientious about that. I couldn't be the cool parent who just comes in and, ah, to heck with the rules, to heck with what mom says, to heck with discipline. And, you know, I tried to honor and revere that while I was able to play on that platform that you largely built. Yeah. No, and I think we were we were a good team that way, and we really appreciated each other's strengths and could play off those a little bit. So another thing that I 
was thinking about and as part of this is I never, I'm going to say never. (laughs) I'll correct you on that. (laughs) I never issued an idle threat. If I, I, I would make the threat, you know, if I felt there needed to be one or a warning, I would make it something... I knew I would follow through on. And I'll give some examples. Um, you know, I, I would never say if we had a trip to Disneyland coming up, well, you're not going to go to Disneyland because, of course, you're going to take your kid to Disneyland if the whole family's going. Or you're a jerk of a parent. So I would never do that. But I did remember, I remember once um, the kids, my two oldest were four and five. And the four-year-old was Zella. They have names. We can do names, right? Okay. The four, so Ruth was four. And she, uh, yeah, do you not know your well, kids? I thought, I thought you said the oldest. I don't, four and five. So well, the, okay. I wouldn't listen. Yeah, it's, Ruth was four. Zella was five. And Ruth was hitting Zella with a wiffle ball bat. Shocker. Yeah. And I had told them before, if you use any of your toys as a weapon, they get thrown away. Well, this was the perfect moment because this was a toy the kids didn't really care about is a wiffle ball bat. It wasn't valued monetarily. It wasn't it wasn't a toy. It really was just a weapon sitting in the corner that Ruth utilized. And I just picked it right up, took it right out to the garbage can and threw it in outside in the garbage can. And the girls were watching me just horrified. And that completely uh, cemented to them that I was going to do what I said I was going to do. And I had other little things like that where I would take advantage of, oh, this is a time to to jump in and, and reinforce one of my rules. I was really good at that, where I knew it wasn't going to be something they mourned. They both cried like the wiffle ball bat was and then, and awesome then in the thing. future, then in the future, Ruth used Zella's toys to hit Zella with. Right? Well. Zella <laughs> I, you know, I think that story, okay, it applies for what it is, but I think it's very antithetical it's quite the opposite of how you raise the kids i don't think you made threats i don't think you said i don't think you laid out a lot of consequences oh i absolutely always did you know it was but it was it was not it wasn't like bad consequences there were times when so you're not the kind of parent that looked for excuses to throw away toys no 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 you're right but i did have to show them and I knew I did I had to show them that I meant what I said so so for instance when we I remember because we would entertain all the time when we had young or when the kids were younger we still entertain but the I had told them before all the people got there I'm going to put you guys in bed I want you to stay in your rooms, but here is the reward you're going to get. And I don't remember what it was, but it was a significant reward. It might have been, I I mean, I don't, I actually don't remember what it was, but it was something significant that really meant something to them. So when we had all our friends in the house and they were saying, where are your kids? Where did you send them for the night? And I said, oh, they're back in the back rooms there's you know just asleep or probably not asleep but in their rooms and our friends were they couldn't believe that the kids weren't running out and sneaking around and but the kids knew 
whatever the reward was, was a good one. And you can call it a bribe, but it was their currency. I wanted them not to participate in our party. And in as a result, they received a pretty significant reward. And I was that was their currency and I was going to use it. And, you know, so I never had, we never had problems like that or rarely had problems with our kids jumping in where they, where we didn't want them to, because I would set up parameters in advance for them to win. I always wanted them to win. So, so no idle threats. That was uh, important to me. Yeah. That's the other thing is, and this is part of the being predictable. I would try and give as much warning as I could when a change was going to come. If there was a change at school, if um, we had to travel, and which, so that would have us out of the house, whether we took the kids or not, whether they, you know, if any, any kind of change when we went to grandma's house, if there were going to be new people there, I, I'd want them, it was, it was going to be a different environment. So I'd want to give them as much warning as I could with the expectations of what this change meant and how to behave and, and what to be prepared for. And if I didn't know, I could say that. Now, I think these people are going to be there. I don't know how their kids are going to behave with you. I don't know if you're going to be expected to play with them or, you know, whatever it was, I could say, I don't know. It's a possibility. So that, again, they knew I was giving them as much information as I could. And that I mean, don't we all do better with the more information we have? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the way I saw you parent and, and what I tried to uh, to support is uh, the the our kids weren't we, we weren't dragging them around they weren't just appendages to what we're doing they were very involved in all the activities um, we would discuss with them here's what's going to happen here's what to expect and um, you know I think that helped with a lot of uh, behavioral issues and um, they, they felt like they had a role in this. They had some ownership of what the activities were. Absolutely. I remember driving to Salt Lake. It was snowy. We came on an accident. And my memory is we were the first ones on the accident. So I jumped out. I ran to see what was happening with the accident. And it was a big family in a van. There were a few little injuries, nothing major, but there were some injuries. The car was hurt, uh, really damaged. And I ran back to the kids and I was able to, and these are, you know, these kids were probably 10 to five to 10 years old. And I could say quickly, this is, you know, there's been an accident. There are some people hurt. I'm going to go grab some little children. They're going to come back to the van so they can sit here and be warm. So while I'm gone, find the blankets, find some snacks, you know. And so I, but I took the time to do that. And then I went and talked to the, the parents or one of the parents and said, I'm taking your kids. I'm putting them in my van while we wait for help. And, you know, it was so by the time I got back there, my kids had made room for these these other little kids. And and they just were able to um, sit and talk with them. But again, giving them as much warning as I could. Well, all I could give them was about 30 seconds of warning. But I still took the time to do that because I think it helped 
the situation. See, and this is why this is mainly your topic, predictability. If I had been driving, pulled up on that accident, I would have jumped out of the car and turned in circles screaming until well, I passed out. That's what you did. Yeah. You were there. Oh, was I? Yeah, no. I yeah, blocked it out. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's how you handle so 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 to my mind, I think about, okay, topic number one, predictability. <laughs> I mean, it just it just sounds like the biggest snoozer ever. But as I think through it, the, the reason because I think, oh, wow, what a great way to step on creativity and all of this. But then I think about our, our life and every life is going to have uh, some chaos, some unpredictability. You so can't I, help it. Yeah. So I think, you know, we had three kids, uh, all of them, uh, you know, oldest was maybe four. And you had to be hospitalized for uh, a, a month, two months when you were pregnant with uh, our youngest, Lucy. And that was a troubled pregnancy. You had her, you, you, uh, you were up in Salt Lake and we were down there and um, that was chaotic. Then when we yeah, had Lucy, down at, yeah, what did I say? Then uh, Lucy was up in Salt Lake for uh, for another month or two, and and that was just pure chaos. And you know, of course, there are other things. And you know, me being gone so much with the legislature, a lot of there's just going to be a lot of chaos. And so, if we can lay kind of a baseline of predictability, then I think that's an opportunity for them, rather than just be sorting through what on earth is going to happen today, this moment. They can kind of focus on some other things and probably relax a bit and and just get their baseline established. And then uh, when the unpredictability came, well, yeah, they handled it. They handled it just fine. And not, yeah. And, you know, it's because that's exactly right. No, no. In a couple, if you're parenting as a couple, no, they're, no one's going to line up exactly like you and me. We're, you know, we're all going to be a little different. So you've got to figure out who's going to create the predictability or as a couple, you know, um, as parents, who's who's establishing that, who's going to do more of the fun. And maybe you're equally sharing it or, you know, in a lot of ways, we didn't do it that way. We... I, I absolutely laid down, you know, established things, and then you created more creative moments, but that worked for us. So as a couple, if you know you're, this is something important, you're going to give as much as you can, but then you're not, you know, you can't be too overwhelmed if you can't do it all. Because, yeah, you're right. There are plenty of things, so many things can cause us to stop or, you know, to, to, to create problems in the predictability, the stability. Yeah. And it's fun. The, the virtue, the fun of patterns, you know, I do think of some of the routines that I had with the kids, Zell and Ruth going into their room and, uh, just, uh, as they're falling asleep, just, you know, an hour, two hours of just pure silliness. Uh, I mean, you know, you, at some point, maybe we do a podcast about that, but all the games I would play with them, stories with them. And, Those routines. Uh, yeah. And so they look back and they really love those routines. And those are some of the greatest parts of my life too. engaging in those things with them. Well, that's, and that's awesome. That's one of the things I have here too, is setting up routines, whether it's nighttime routine, the morning routines, weekends, again, anytime you can give some predictability to what you're, what to expect, then, you know, that just adds to the piece people everybody's on the same page so it made me think of something that 
we did uh, when the kids were very little. I asked you to go. They were getting into board games, so they were a little older, you know, that mid those mid years, mid age years. Can I can I just throw in how much I hate shoots and ladders? You can, and oh God. so this is a little older than that, but yeah, the game is unbearable. Yeah, it is. It goes forever, and it's not okay. Okay, so if hey, if so, if you're playing shoots and ladders or Candyland, and that's your that's your chapter right now, it does end. We're telling you right now. Yeah, that's parenting hell. <laughs> but you're a good parent to do it. Yeah, I hope okay. to, I hope I hope I never have to do it again. Well, I sent you to the store to buy a Clue game because I, Clue's such a classic game. I thought it would be our kids were old enough they could play this game, and you came home with Simpsons Clues. Simpsons Clues, awesome. Okay, which is very funny. It's like you know, Smithers is Mrs. White, which is hilarious. But what I figured out is it's only hilarious. If you know Clue, if you get the basic game, it's so you have to have the predictable game so that you can get all the jokes that are in Simpson Clue. Because Simpson, the Simpson Clue game is actually very clever. It's very funny, which is not surprising. But our kids didn't get any of it. How long are you going to hold this grudge? <laughs> I'm not holding a grudge. I think it's funny, but that was that was funny to me that I had to figure out why don't the kids think this is funny and it's because they didn't know the basic game. So and that's so that's part of what I'm saying is if you can lay out that groundwork, then the other stuff you can layer on top of it, it becomes very funny and the kids aren't just thinking life is always changing. Sorry. I just I thought clue was clue. Anything else on this topic? Nope. No, that's that's no. Well we should end in a way that just doesn't shut down the the end predictability is good the perfect parenting podcast is a production of van garrett media shayla don and chris van garrett are the executive producers the writers are steve and sarah urquhart chris van garrett is the sound designer and music director and shayla don is our research coordinator join us next week for another episode of the perfect parenting podcast i'm chris van garrett thanks for listening this podcast produced by van garrett media